Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620 in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we're privileged to be here, one of our great affiliates, because we're on the road promoting President Freedom Fighter. Also gives me an opportunity to talk to all of you on the road instead of just getting your calls uh, on the show in New York City at 1211 6th Avenue. Uh, but we're on the road, and uh, we're giving you the latest. And well, we're monitoring this as it unfolds in front of us. The Democrats are now pushing to vote on the social spending program in the House. The filibuster last night took place that allowed this vote to happen and got it delayed at least one day. We'll tell you how the vote is hap- uh, how it's going throughout this hour. But first, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. That's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. One step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system. And I'm terrified of that. Right. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Once and the believe me, we're doing that. that. Kind of now we have. Control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want. That is Joe Rogan uh, weighing in on what we're all concerned about, mandate mania. Now the boosters are in for every adult. Yes, no emission as predicted because you're going to need a booster. Just wait. It's coming. And kids, no shot soon. No school already. No Disney cruise. The result, anger building across the country as the vax confidence in the vaccine wanes. Number two. She is the first at many things, including having the lowest approval rating of any vice president at this point in time. The real question is who Plug is, your ears, is, is, Joe, <laughs> is Joe Biden pushing Kamala Harris's favorability down or is she pulling him down? Very interesting. Matt Whitaker, former attorney general, the president stuck on spectacular, spectacularly bad. The numbers that have come in have to alarm the Democratic Party. And only approval rating falling faster than the president's personal approval rating is the vice president's. Number one. It's no secret that this bill is too extreme, too costly, and too liberal for the United States. Just a few weeks ago, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger said, nobody elected Joe Biden to be FDR. Yeah, that's AOC. Always doing the right thing. It's here. Time for the House to vote on the president's green, pure social spending palooza, then go home and let the Senate go to war to pass it into law. We'll look at the chances and what it would do to the country. And we're looking at the vote right now uh, as it unfolds. So far, 215, uh, a motion to recommit. Uh, I guess this is just a procedural motion. Then they're going to have a vote. Last night, in order to delay the actual vote on the social spending program, the reconciliation bill that they do not get one single Republican vote in the House or Senate on, uh, of Minority leader Kevin McCarthy did what leaders can do in the House. They can filibuster for as long as they want. He went over eight hours trying to delay the vote. At about three in the morning, they said, okay, we're going to wait till Friday. He accomplished his goal. The big, big news yesterday was the CBO. They said that Biden would add $367 billion to the deficit. 
not counting the IRX tax enforcement. But the administration says, well, when we put all these billions into hiring more IRS agents, we're going to soak the rich. Therefore, we're going to balance this out and it'll cost zero. Number one, there's huge problems with that. We're already paying, on average, state and local, 60% of all of our money uh, to the government. We're going to be one of the highest tax countries in the world. And yet, the president wants to up it and say the most successful people have to pay more. I'm not sure how this thing's going to work out because I know on the record, Senator Manchin and Cinema said, I'm not going to raise the upper bracket rate from 37 to 39. I don't know how this is going to work out because they already said we're not going to raise once again the corporate rate because we're competing against other countries, not against other corporations from 21 to 28. Are you kidding me? That puts us above China. That makes no sense. So Kevin McCarthy went at it last night to his great credit. Cut to. Never in American history has so much been spent at one time. At one time. Never in American history will so many taxes be raised and so much borrowing be ne- to be needed to pay for all this reckless spending. He went on for eight hours. He had a lot of copy, but he had a lot of steam to blow off because he's, been, he's going to be the next speaker. And let's be honest, the House is going to flip. It's just by how many votes. Right now, I think Pelosi up and down has between three and five votes. She can't lose any, but the moderates look like they're going to go along with it. Why? Because she stuck everything in this, including the salt deduction tax, which would benefit me personally. I'm in New York, and you can't write off your state taxes. Our state taxes in New York, in Illinois, in New Jersey, California are all high. When Trump is looking to do tax reform, he says, why are we rewarding states with tax breaks who are upping the taxes on their constituents? Let's get rid of it. And so moderates, like uh, Congressman Swazi says, I'm not voting for anything without putting the salt tax deduction back in. So they put it in, knowing that it's going to get knocked out in the Senate, knowing the parliamentarian is going to get rid of immigration reform as no business in a budget bill. Uh, it's going to get knocked out. There's so much that Manchin is already on the record saying he's not going to do, so it means he's got to go back to the House, and will they vote for it? J.D. Vance, who wants to be the next senator from Ohio to replace Rob Portman, who did the bipartisan bill and must feel as though he's been totally let down because everything they negotiated out of the bipartisan bill is in this bill. He weighed in on what the Democrats are doing to business and their lack of appreciation for spending. Cut nine. The energy sector, the transportation sector, those are the parts of the economy that are being slammed by this inflation. The, the, The parts of the economy that are doing well right now, who doesn't require cheap energy? Big tech and big finance. Those happen to be, of course, the donors to the Democratic Party. They also happen to be the people who have gotten the the richest over the past 10 or 20 years. So the Democrats are pursuing a set of policies. They say the economy is good, but their policies are actually rewarding their friends in the technology and in the finance sector. It's slamming everybody else. And look, if, 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 if there's a real revolution in this country, it will come because people can't afford the basic necessities. Of course, that's terrible for everybody. It is. So if you go ahead and say, here's your child tax credit, here's your free preschool, here's your free college uh, college uh, tuition for a junior college anyway, and then you tell everyone, here's your free lunch, literally your free lunch. I'm not saying the poor shouldn't be taken care of. This program's there. I just don't think we can afford it to this rate. In fact, I know we can. We're running at a deficit, and that deficit was being chipped away before the pandemic chipped in and China poisoned the world. Real quick, because I don't want to take too much time away from two great guests. David Asher at the bottom of the hour. He's going to unwind the lack of courage the president showed in his virtual summit with President Xi. He never brought up the origins of the virus. Are you kidding me? But yet, considering a diplomatic boycott 
uh, of the Olympics that are coming up shortly while not warning him and making it clear you better not invade Taiwan. It is absolutely criminal. Why are you a leader of the free world and only talk tough against Republicans, not against our legitimate uh, unifying enemy? So this is what I want to touch on. The president's approval rating, according to Fox, a lot higher than most. His approval rating is now uh, 44 percent. In May, it was 54 percent. In October, it was 46 percent. It's slowly going down. A Q poll, which leans left, 36 percent approval rating. With Donald Trump getting 95 to 97 percent of the media against him, every time something was good, they bring up Russia. Every time something was uh, uh, going our direction with the economic numbers, building the wall, belting up our military, killing uh, killing uh, Soleimani, killing al-Baghdadi, things to that nature, they would come up with some other fake scandal or pull up something in his background or some Mary Trump, I stole his tax returns, proof that he's not as rich as he says he is. Having said that, with all the media in Joe Biden's corner, what does it say to you that his approval range at 36%? You know what it says? And it's my own business because I'm on Fox News and it's the number one news channel. It says that you are making your own decisions out there. It doesn't matter what Jim Acosta says. No one listens to Don Lemon. No one really cares. Rachel Maddow, I think, is a great broadcaster. She has her big audience. And by the way, she's leaving that network. It's not big enough to make a difference. They don't look for the spin because they look at their life. They see inflation going up. They see gas prices double. They see a weakness on the global stage. They see what happened in Afghanistan, and they can't buy it. Break it down. The Fox News poll says this, which tends to be a little bit nicer to him. The coronavirus, 48% of approval rating. He was about 70%. Climate change, 42%. He spends all his time in Glasgow. He still doesn't have the majority of lefties on his side. Uniting the country, 36%. No kidding. His mandate mania has made things worse. And the economy, 36%. Look around. Even though the jobless claims um, were at a pandemic low this month, good news, The labor participation rate, which means the quit factor, is still way too high. I think it's over 10 million, but yet there are 7 million jobs open. Your message from the uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is America, get back to work. Immigration, 31%. I don't know how he gets 31%. Think about what's happened with that wall. China, 28%. Afghanistan, 27%. On immigration, the president's meeting with the Mexican president and the Canadian president never brings up the border. That is why I say the, he is worse than anything I could have imagined. Totally inept, lacking courage, unless it's talking out against Donald Trump or a Republican. one 408 Listen, buckle up. I know it's going into the weekend. I want to arm you with some great information. The most, one of the most decorated and respected military minds in our country who would actually make a great Secretary of Defense and State, Admiral James Stravitas, will be joining us. And then we're going to talk to David Asher, who was in on the negotiations with China, understands what's happening with the origins of this virus and the opportunities we all missed because the president will not confront President Xi, his old friend. Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
a talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The real issue is here is our deterrence against China has eroded. China has more airplanes, more ships, more submarines in the, in the area, and, and more missiles than the United States has. That's the reality of what we're facing. We're outmanned and outgunned, and the balance of power, military power, has shifted in favor of China. Uh, that is General Keene today on Fox and Friends, uh, talking about the reality of our rivalry with China. There was a virtual summit this week. Almost none of this stuff was brought up. Uh, we're sitting there trying to tell them we don't have to uh, fight. We just want to compete. They are not listening. This is a whole new level. And President Xi is about to get a lifetime, another a lifetime anointment as leader and put himself in his mind in the category of Mao and others uh, uh, has been more belligerent than ever. That is General Jack Keane's assessment. What about Admiral James Stravitas, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, currently a member of the Carlisle Group and author of several bestsellers, his newest one out this week, uh, The Sailor's Bookshelf, 50 Books to Know the Sea. Admiral, welcome back. Congratulations. Brian, thank you very much, and congratulations to you. I see you all over the country, including in my native state of Florida, with your superb book about Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Uh, now, I appreciate you saying that. And I'll be in uh, your neck of the woods in uh, Ponte Vedra, December 3rd on stage, talking about all those books. And I'll give you a VIP, uh, uh, admiral-only <laughs> seat. If you are around, I'd love to see you down there. Um, but we'll oh, see. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we'll try and make that happen. I would love to do that. Thank you, Brian. Great, Admiral. So first off, uh, <laughs> on what General Jack Keane just said uh, about about our stance and what China is up to and how they're bulking up in every every branch of their military. Do you see it? Absolutely. And as usual, you're not going to find a lot of daylight between me and Jack Keane on geopolitics. Um, what I will say, I'll take his comment a little further and draw a line under a couple of things we need to do if we are going to be able to compete militarily. Uh, one is the range of our fighters and our attack aircraft off our carrier decks. Right now, they can only go 500, 600 miles because of refueling concerns, whereas China has a 1,000-mile missile. So we've got a, if you will, a range gap in offensive operations. The Navy's going to have to address that, so carrier air. And the other one I draw a line under, Brian, which Jack did not mention, is cyber. We see China increasing its abilities in cyber constantly. Uh, we have counters to much of it, but they are moving more rapidly than we are toward dominance in artificial intelligence in particular and potentially quantum computing. So, yes, we have work to do if we're going to be able to create real deterrence uh, to oppose China in the South China Sea. Hypersonic missile program, what concerns you most? Were you as surprised as people like me who are on the outside were? I wasn't uh, shocked to see it, Brian. I've been tracking this for quite a while. For, for those who don't follow this, a hypersonic cruise missile is something that goes way up in the air like a traditional ballistic intercontinental missile. But when it comes down, it glides and it can move then at five to six times the speed of sound as a maneuvering target close to the earth. That's very dangerous. They are ahead of us on offensive cyber, uh, offensive hypersonic cruise missile uh, combinations. We're going to have to make up ground there. That would be the third area I would mention, by the way. Okay, great. Now, I want you to hear what the president 
And it just seems like opportunity lost, Admiral. If I had you in there talking to President Xi in a very calm, diplomatic way, you would lay out what is necessary for us to live in peace. The president did not do that by all accounts, did not even bring up the origins of the virus. But most importantly uh, now about Taiwan, mixed messaging. Listen. We have to make very clear we support the Taiwan Act, and that's it. It's independence. What happens next on Taiwan? You know, it's clear that there's a lot, as you said today, independence. And in the past, no, no, said- I said that they have to decide, and we are not encouraging independence. So why, why is it so important to be clear on this if you're the president? Because we are standing into danger with China in terms of a miscalculation that could lead us into a conflict. An example, Brian, would be uh, Chinese worship, U.S. worship in the South China Sea, perhaps not far from Taiwan, in international waters. Um, it could be uh, Chinese aircraft that are intercepting a U.S. patrol aircraft in the area. Our forces are constantly in contact, and the best way to avoid a miscalculation on either side is clear, crisp communication. I'll add that we need a hotline with China. Um, General Mark Milley needs the ability to call his counterpart directly. Uh, The president needs to be able to immediately contact President Xi and vice versa. Those mechanisms are not in place right now. And that concerns me. We need to be direct and forthright about what we intend to do and when we intend to do it. Yeah, General Milley's going to call directly before we fight, so that'll be great. Uh, so we'll give them a heads up. <laughs> Hopefully they have our number, hey, too. Me, well, let me unpackage that one quickly. Uh, Mark Milley, in that instance, was simply trying to deflate tensions. I did that myself when I was Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, talking to the Supreme Commander of the Russian Armed Forces. I think that was something General Milley uh, did. I think it was a, a bit... Uh, overblown as a mistake. And you should ask Jack Keane about that. I think he would agree with me. I will. Uh, so, Admiral, tell me about your book. You trying to summarize the best books uh, that talk about uh, sea operations? Indeed. And, uh, Brian, thanks. It's a, uh, it's a compendium of 50 books that will help anybody understand the oceans, understand sea power, understand uh, where we are going uh, in terms of China and other sea powers in this century. And, you know, very few of us have time to read 50 books. So what I try to do is summarize each of these books, and they run the gamut. Some of them are fiction, things like King Mutiny Court Martial or the Bedford Incident about war at sea, and others are nonfiction and policy books about the ocean. So, um, you know, the oceans cover 70% of the world. We could all know a little bit more about them in this very dynamic age we're in, Brian. That's the idea of the Leader's Bookshelf. Always helping us out, summarizing things we need to know. Admiral James Chavides, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Talk soon. Bye-bye. You got it. Uh, next, David Asher. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Book of Esther is one of only two books in the Bible that... 
out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're getting things done, and we're doing it together. So you don't feel misused or underused? No, I don't. I am very, very excited about the work that we have accomplished, but I am also absolutely, absolutely clear-eyed that there is a lot more to do, and we're going to get it done. Well, not only that, uh, she almost laughed her way through that question, too, from George Stephanopoulos. She even blew the easiest interview ever. See, Harris also got some bad news because, you know, her approval rating's at 27%, and she earned it. She has not looked competent and secure in any area, in any interview, whether she's doing a French accent or giggling through questions on why you didn't go to the border. Now she has lost her communications director, uh, Ashley Ention, resigned. The resignation will take effect next month. Quote, Ashley's a valued member of the vice president's team who has worked tirelessly to advance the goals of the administration. That according to a White House official. She is leaving the office in December to pursue other opportunities. That does not make anybody feel better who's worried about Kamala Harris's political future. She's been a disaster uh, flat out and polls go up and down. But for her, it's gone solidly down. What an opportunity she has. She has a president who's aging by the minute, who seems to be way out of his depth, whose approval rating is dipping. All she had to show was confidence and confidence. Show the loyalty that Mike Pence showed, that Al Gore showed, that uh, and the competence that Vice President Cheney had. Even if you disagree with any of those men I mentioned, they knew their job and they supported and were competent to pull off tasks. She has been uninterested in the tasks she's giving. Selling voter reform? Now, I don't want to federalize elections, but she does. So does President Biden. How come she can't get a speech out that makes any sense or even motivate a small town? How come during a crisis at the border, she's talking to child actors about space and pretending as if she's winning them over when she knows they're actors and nobody cares about space in the middle of a myriad of crises? More from Harris on her bad polls. Cut 13. Polls, they go up, they go down. But I think what is most important is that we remain consistent with what we need to do to deal with the issues that we're presented with at this moment. Okay, that really helped. And, man, does she say things. Uh, I mean, here's an example of what I would say if my poll numbers are going down. My goal is to put President Biden's agenda first, which is the American people agenda. That's why I was elected. I could not care less about my personal fortunes. I only want to make these next four years great for the American people. That's all I care about. And if I take the hit because of programs that may seem in the short term unpopular or the Republicans have been successful messaging against me, I'll take the hit. I'd much rather I take the hit than the president take the hit. That's the type of thing that builds loyalty. Uh, and now she needs a spin. You know, she has two crisis managers who came in from the from the private sector to help her out. It's only gotten worse. Cut 14. Well, first of all, it's real and it's and it's rough. We need to bring down the cost of living, and that's a long-standing issue. And so we pass- 
passed this week, uh, the infrastructure bill, but also we need to deal with the cost of childcare, the cost of prescription drugs, the cost of housing. And that's what we intend to do when we get the Build Back Better agenda passed. So that's, I did forget that. The bill, in this reconciliation package, so they're talking about paying for childcare and preschool in a country that's running a $28 billion annual deficit a $28 trillion overall deficit, and about $600 billion overdrawn every single year. So we have to come back. I would like to give everybody everything at all times. It's just not the way our country is built. And child care could be more available. Absolutely. But I do not think we can write checks for everybody's lunch, for everyone's college, for everybody's preschool, and for everyone's daycare. That's just not the way it's built. People can figure out things themselves. And there's stuff that can be done at the local level to supplement perhaps, but just to go ahead and jam together social programs when clearly inflation is a big thing that's affecting everybody and to allow energy costs to go up when it's within our midst to drill more, frack more, and force it all down. That's why the poll ratings are down. And for her not to be competent in these issues, you know what it is? It's not intellect. It's laziness. She's not studying. She didn't study as a candidate. She doesn't study as a vice president. She likes the show. She doesn't like the work. She likes the perceived power, but she doesn't earn it. And that's here's Mara Lyason, for example, from NPR. NPR sees how bad it's going for both the vice president and vice president. Cut 19. The numbers are just terrible. And what's interesting is I don't know whether people have just soured on Biden and then all of the internals kind of follow that. You know, if you don't like the job the guy is doing, of course you don't approve what he's doing on the economy or COVID. You're not going to separate those things out. And often, you know, the, the specific items of a president's agenda are only as popular as he is. Uh, but it's bad. And Democrats think they can turn it around by passing their agenda and by selling it to people. We're going to see if that happens or not. Yeah, I mean, you just see it. You see it when Joe Manchin speaks up and Kristen Sinema makes a stand. I mean, the word is, the reason why McConnell voted to raise the debt ceiling, the reason why they have voted, some have crossed over in the House, is because Joe Manchin went up to them and he deals with his Problem Sovereigns Caucus. And he kind of is a consultant with them and says, listen, you got to give me some cover. I'm holding off the whole Democratic left-wing agenda. And if you don't show any cooperation, I don't have a leg to stand on. I'm trying to say we can go work across the aisle. If you never do it, I have nothing to do. And what they're doing is it's almost a nod to Joe Manchin. I talked to one of the people that voted for the bipartisan infrastructure deal in the House that got everyone so angry and did technically bail out that bill. But they said that they're going to get payoffs with the filibuster stays, packing the court is not going to happen, federalizing elections is not going to happen because Joe Manchin won't go along with it. Byron York, Cut 20. The ratings reflect, his job approval ratings reflect the substance of what he is doing on these issues. They don't like what he is doing on the border. They don't like uh, inflation. They thought coronavirus should be over by now, but it's not. Uh, so all of these issues, very important issues, coronavirus being the one he really got elected for, uh, the public is unhappy with what's going on. This is not a communications problem. This is a substance problem for the White House. So that was Byron York. I just have to tell you what's happening while we're talking, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be coming to you from Pensacola, Florida. The show's on the road. Uh, uh, 92.3 and AM 1620, but uh, it just happened. The Democrats have passed through the House this spending palooza, this uh, Build Back Better bill reconciliation thing on a pure party line vote. They did lose one Democrat. They uh, 208, and they lost 208 
Republicans, and they put absolutely everything in it, which meanwhile, we already know that on the record, there's some moderates, especially Joe Manchin, they're not going to vote for this as it is, so they'll reconfigure it, tear it apart in the Senate, but it's going to be on their lap. Nancy Pelosi just wanted to get rid of it. That's what Congressman uh, Waltz told us yesterday. She just wants it out of the House and let the Democrats in the Senate deal with this. And the president's got showed no leadership on it. He just keeps talking about it, but he doesn't amend it to be more palatable to moderates because he doesn't want to step on the on the uh, feet of people he fears. And that's his left wing, which is nuts. Bill McGurn, special report last night on the Kamala Harris problem and the problem Joe Biden's experiencing. Cut 21. But I will say this for Kamala Harris. Uh, the Kamala Harris problem is not a Kamala Harris problem. It's a Joe Biden problem. They're looking at this, you know, the things that Joe Biden can count as an achievement, passing his infrastructure bill or the COVID, those are Washington achievements. People want to see improvements in their own lives. And I think what they see is is not just a president going in the wrong direction, but um, looking incredibly incompetent. I, I think it's different. I mean, if she, this is an opportunity when you replace someone in a game and that person is struggling, you look even better than you normally would because that person was terrible. You want to replace somebody that's struggling. For example, you want to be the next mayor of New York because anybody who comes in and actually puts some time and effort in and can get a complete a sentence and doesn't show up 90 minutes late for every event and doesn't go to work at 11 o'clock in the afternoon and doesn't have a trillion dollars disappear as his, well, in his wife's foundation – Anybody who comes in will look better. And she has been awful. She's actually been worse. And you can see it because her staff hates her and they hate each other. She earned this type of consternation. The other thing that I think is driving the president's poll numbers down is the fact that he's taken this coronavirus vaccine. And at first he said, look, I'm going to get it out to everyone. Everyone's going to take it. And around July, we're going to be in barbecues. So we were barbecuing, having a good time anyway. And I thought that was kind of weird. The president not cognizant of that. So when the Delta variant comes in, the president looked around and says only about 50 percent of the country's deciding to get vaccinated. So he says, I really got to get you vaccinated. Maybe 60 percent went up. And then he said, well, those Republicans are horrible people and the mismessaging is doing it. We're going to blame Facebook and Fox. And that's what's going to be it. So, again, you're polarizing. And then you came out with mandates. And then you offer the federal government mandates. And then you said, if you don't work in a, in a medical, if you work in a medical institution and you don't get the vaccine, you're fired. And he did it. If you are a police officer and giving uh, mayors and governors, all Democrats, the option that if you do not uh, get vaccinated, you're fired. So we're losing cops, firefighters uh, in New York City, in, in, in Illinois, and we're losing nurses. Even some doctors and orderlies, all those people we depended on are getting fired. You can't work. Then they're saying to people with over 100 people in their businesses, if you do not mandate, uh, if you do not mandate the vaccine, you're going to get fined for each ever person. That got struck down by the courts right now. It's actually been stayed and they're evaluating it, but he still wants it enforced. So now when you go to a restaurant and you have a 22-year-old hostess, Say, if you do not have a vaccine card, you can't sit down, creating anger. If you want to go work out, if you don't have a vaccine card, you can't go work out, creating anger. If you, do, if you want to go to school and want to go on campus, there's mandates say that's creating anger. And he is doing it. Even though the poll numbers say the majority of the American people slightly want you vaccinated, 
Those other 48% have a vote, and it doesn't mean they're horrible people. It means a lot of them have PhDs and said, I don't want it. I had the virus already. Don't tell me the durability isn't as great. I know different. Don't tell me to trust your science because your science is already blown up before our eyes and you don't admit it. And now his numbers on the virus are underwater. And now they're saying to kids, you don't get vaccinated, no Disney cruise. Do you believe this? Soon, you can't go to a restaurant if your seven-year-old is not vaccinated. you believe this? They're checking IDs on your toddler. Joe Rogan says, I think I recognize this program. And by the way, it's official. It's just passed. The House is all celebrating. Uh, we should all be mourning uh, this ridiculous. Joe Rogan, cut 23. That's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. Um, I, I, I just I feel like. One step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system, mm-hmm. and I'm terrified of that. Right. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Mm-hmm. I really do. Once the government has that kind of power and control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want with all sorts of reasons to to institute it. That's the thing they're doing in China. Uh, they're also giving compliance ratings, too. If you do anything, you work for the government, you get a higher mark, uh, basically a social rating. And that's what they're doing with these vaccines. And believe me, it's not going to stop. I told you already they're, ma- they're mandating the flu shot in certain parts of Colorado. Do you think it's going to uh, stop? It absolutely will not. But again, the big news at this very moment, the House narrowly passed President Biden's spending palooza. So now it's going to go over to the Senate and debate it. And it's up to Joe Manchin to backstop it. Incredible. So now we have these new mandates. And I'll take a break and take your calls when we get back. one 408 And the mandates are uh, hitting just about every facet of our country. And the president's urging these businesses with over 100 employees to ignore the court stay and just implement the program that he tried to push forward through an illegal means. And that's through OSHA as the governing body. But I think every one of these companies should say, screw that. I mean, with our company in particular, there's so much misinformation with Fox. They basically say this, you get vaccinated or get a test. That's an option. Get vaccinated or get a test. And then if you're not vaccinated, you wear a mask. But we don't walk around like a police state. So when you tell people get vaccinated or you're fired and you're going home, you're losing thousands of cops, firefighters, uh, medical workers, nurses. And we've talked to a lot of them. You know where they're going? Florida. You know where they're going? Texas. You know where they're going? To Tennessee. They're going to North Carolina. They're getting out of the oppressive places and going people places where it is not virus free. But it gives you the ability to make your own decisions like the life we used to lead. Here is John Yu on Fox News last night at night with Shannon. She said he said this about what's happening with the president pushing forth an agenda that is flat out unconstitutional. Cut 26. They're putting on a brave front at the White House, but they got to know that they're they're losing this campaign. They're losing at the Court of Appeals. The Supreme Court already struck down over the summer the effort to ban evictions. President Biden is trying to claim a similar power here now to force vaccines on most big businesses in the country. The Constitution just doesn't give the federal government the power to force a vaccine mandate on the country. I think they're going to lose, but they're still trying to put on a brave Mm -hmm. front. Maybe Biden will be saved by the courts. Maybe he'll be safe from having to force a mandate on everybody. Yeah, in other words, save him from himself. That's why in many respects, when the president lost when, when the president won his Georgia fight and inexplicably won those two Senate seats because the Republicans ripped each other's eyes out, he actually got hurt because now he has no excuse not to put together this left-wing agenda. He can't say, hey, guys, I'm hamstrung. He pushes it forward now. 
And that's why this bill moving forward has got no shot at currently constructed uh, to to pass in the Senate because it's $2 trillion. It's got to get down to $1.5. And lastly, the U.S. Army Secretary has said the National Guard members who refuse the vaccine like the ones in Oklahoma, they will all be dismissed from service. So it's getting worse. In Disney, their cruise line now requiring vaccines for passengers five and up. Nice. When we come back, your calls, Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're on the road in Pensacola. We'll be signing books at 2.30 uh, this afternoon at Books A Million. So I hope to see everybody out there. My first visit to Pensacola is fantastic. We're on News Radio AM 1620 and 92.3. And then we're going to Fairhope, Alabama in the afternoon. Uh, excuse me, tonight around 6.30. So the signing starts at 2.30 this afternoon. Hope to see everybody out there. Uh, and there's one hour difference. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. It's like something from the Jetsons, but Zipline is starting the first commercial use drone deliveries with Walmart partnership over in Arkansas. Walmart will have that Zipline launching their first commercial delivery. It's offered by Zipline. The U.S. customers will be able to choose from thousands of products, though there are restrictions to health and wellness. Uh, Similar to Walmart pickup, a store associate gathers the items, delivers them to Zipline crew, who prepares them for delivery. Customers can begin making orders today, and we're able to track and uh, their drone status on the app. I mean, are they going to come swooping down? Are they going to drop it? They aren't. Oh, oh, you can't hear you? Okay, can you hear me now? Go ahead. Okay. So apparently um, the drone will find the spot, and they'll circle around, detect the wind direction, and then drop it with a uh, biodegradable parachute. Turkey pie stuffing tests uh, uh, turkey pie and stuffing tests many fa- uh, families as putting rapid tests on their Thanksgiving shopping list. Are you actually going to be testing your loved ones in 2021? Unbelievable! I have a friend; for, she's hosting Thanksgiving, and she's having them get tested before they come. The 10 U.S. coaches with the biggest paydays, as reported by Sportico via Axios. Number one, deserving Bill Belichick, 18 million; Pete Carroll, 12 million; Peyton, 12 million; Andy Reid, 12 million. Greg Popovich, the angriest man in basketball, big lefty, $11 million. Uh, and the Golden State Warriors coach, Steve Kerr, bottom 10 with $9 million. Hey, they're all great. Meanwhile, 4GM is stepping into the chip business. This is so smart. They're going to make their own chips. Why? Because mostly Taiwan and China make their chips. They can't get them. That's why they can't sell cars. So, guys, take control. I love it. Bring it back to America. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Normally coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We're privileged to be in Pensacola right now. News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Uh, We have a book signing today at 2.30, signing the president and freedom fighter. Uh, It is in a slightly different time zone, so one hour different from the New York time zone we're normally in. But thanks to everybody that made the book number three in the country. And we finally beat Paul McCartney, dropped him back to five. People realize I already know his lyrics. No reason to buy the book. I can already mouth the words to let it be. And um, what's another song uh, from him Uh, about Eleanor Rigby? We pretty much know that. Yesterday was good. I should have known that. 
But pretty much, you know it. But now we got to go after Will Smith. Will Smith is number one. And uh, he's been my rivalry. Uh, again, he took the easy way out. He went the sitcom route. So I did not want to do that. I wanted to earn my way up through sports and news. So let's see if we can topple Will Smith. But thanks so much, everyone, for this greatest, uh, for, for grabbing this uh, moment in our past for these two incredible men, the president and freedom fighter Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the battle to save America's soul. Right now we're in the battle to save America's budget because what just passed the House to me is quite disturbing. It's the reconciliation bill. And uh, the reconciliation bill, is they just jammed everything in, didn't even negotiate, and they're just going to hand it over to the House and let that grenade explode. Let's see what happens. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. That's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. One step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system, and I'm terrified of that. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Once the government has that kind of power and control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want. Uh, there you go. Uh, Joe Rogan saying it like it is, and he does see a trend here, and I'm worried about it. Mandate mania. Get ready. No booster, no no admission. And now as predicted, they're coming to for our kids. No shot, no school, already no Disney cruise. The result, anger builds across the country. Even for those who are pro-vax, they're not pro-mandate. What will the president need to get through his head? Number two. She is the first at many things, including having the lowest approval rating of any vice president at this point in time. The real question is who Plug is, your ears, is, is, Joe, <laughs> is Joe Biden pushing Kamala Harris's favorability down or is she pulling him down? I don't think so. I think she's earned her low approval ratings. The president stuck on spectacular, spectacularly bad. The numbers that have to alarm the Democratic Party and the only approval rating falling faster is the vice president's. Number one. It's no secret that this bill is too extreme, too costly, and too liberal for the United States. Just a few weeks ago, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger said, nobody elected Joe Biden to be FDR. Yeah, that is AOC, always staying with the protocol. I'm here, and it's here. Time for the House, and the House is now voting on the green, pure social spending palooza. Then go home and let the Senate go to war to pass it into law. We'll look at the chances uh, that we'll do and what it will do to the country. So let's bring Geraldo Rivera on that. Geraldo, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure. Hey, Geraldo, first off, are you liking the five? Oh, the five is a lot of fun. I mean, I like the dynamic. I, I like the uh, the impromptu, impromptu nature of a lot of the commentary. I, I think that that human aspect of it is why it's so popular. And just of all the shows you've done and what you've seen, at 5 o'clock, it is now per capita the number one show in all cable news uh, for most weeks. How do you figure that? And in an impossible time slot that they say you couldn't get ratings in. Uh, I mean, I love the show. I'm, I'm filling in next week. but And, and you've, you've been inside as a viewer, and now you're, uh, you've been outside as a viewer, and now you're on the show all the time. What do you think it is? I think there is an intimacy. Uh, it's appointment television. You know, I've been on TV for over 50 years, and when you get a hit show, right. you never really know exactly what the dynamic is, but you have to really, really appreciate it because they come along, uh, you know, once a decade. Yep. Uh, but this one is uh, is red hot, as you suggest. Uh, the number one show in all of cable, beating ESPN and uh, Monday Night Football sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's incredible. Even the Manning cast. Uh, who would think two famous people talking about a game in an intelligent way would be more popular than the actual broadcast? But that's what another <laughs> unique hit. 
So, Geraldo, I want you to, this is what happened a short time ago on the House floor. On this vote, the yeas are 220, the nays are 213, the Build Back Better bill is passed. And the Democrats cheer, one defection, it goes to the House. But, Geraldo, what they did, they jammed everything in it. They said, oh, you want that SALT deduction in? It is in. You want the green militia in? It is in. And they just are going to hand this grenade over to the Senate, which already said there are Democrats that aren't going to vote for it the way it looks, and it's got to go back to the House. Is your trajectory passage, is that how you see it? No, I don't, and I'll tell you why in a second. But uh, go back to some of the specifics. Isn't the SALT exemption, isn't that the one where you get to deduct your mortgage, yep. uh, your mortgage payments? And, and, uh, I know, and your I state mean, your tax. On your mortgage. Yeah, uh, it, and it, your state tax. And your state tax. It's a... Uh, I mean, who's going to benefit from that? It's not going to be poor people. Poor people don't have uh, big mortgages. It's going to be rich people. This is a bill that has a lot of uh, inconsistencies that are just out of sync with the rhetoric. You know, I I, I really have uh, high regard for AOC, but AOC is in, in favor now of a bill that will give a huge tax break to upper middle class and rich people. You know, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense from the ideological point of view from their side and from the Republican side. You know, I, I'm a Republican. I believe in free enterprise. I think that more giveaways are just going to make a lazier, fatter country. Uh, you know, I really uh, don't appreciate that they're trying to take this tiny majority that they have and pretend that it's an FDR or Franklin Roosevelt style mandate. It's not. Uh, but I don't, I think that because of Manchin and uh, cinema in the Senate, that will never, this bill will never see the light of day. Uh, but uh, congratulate Nancy Pelosi. She managed to get it through at least the House of Representatives, but also I think that it means that the next time they vote for the House of Representatives next November, in 50 weeks or so, uh, the Democrats are going to get a rude awakening. Yeah, so I want you to hear Jen Psaki just basically seem to have taken on the question you just took on. Cut six. Is he comfortable where the current provisions stand for these state and local tax deductions, given it would be a pretty significant tax break for the wealthy? Well, uh, let me start by first, um, you know, obviously wasn't what he proposed in his initial package, as you know, but uh, just to come back to that. Um, the president uh, also, though, has, it's been conveyed to him by leaders in the House and Senate that this needs to be included in order for this legislation to move forward. And uh, he certainly understands that and takes uh, these legislators who've been doing this a long time very effectively uh, at their word. But even as we look at the content of it, it's a long-term sustainable reform, in our view, well, part of the way the tax cuts were paid for is to eliminate that tax in these high-tax states like Illinois, New Jersey, the places you used to live, New York and California. They, they got hurt because you no longer could write off that deduction, and now they put that back. Now, Joe Manchin doesn't want it. Cinema doesn't want it. They also have tax increases for the upper bracket, 37 to 39. Cinema says, I'm not doing that, and she says she's not upgrade. She's not upping the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 because – you know, the corporate tax rate affects how we compete internationally, not necessarily domestically. So there's, this thing goes to the Senate. What I mean by hand grenade, they're already on the record saying they're not going to vote for that. But Nancy Pelosi wants it out of, uh, out, uh, uh, off her agenda, and she's going to kick it over to the Senate where the war will begin. And I also have reports that Manchin's asking one of the reasons why Mitch McConnell raised the debt ceiling, because Manchin asked him to. He said, you know the fighting I'm doing here to keep the filibuster, to not pack the courts, to not federalize elections. 
and and not do everything on reconciliation. I need this. And then now it's up to Manchin to step up because he got his 13 votes from Republican House members as a favor on the bipartisan bill. Now it's time for Manchin to reward that favor. I believe that's the game that's going on under the radar. Do you get the same reports, Geraldo? Well, that I think you very astute observation. I think your stuff is more insider than mine. I just know the character of the man. I just know that Joe Manchin is not going to budge on this. He's not going to uh, send all this money uh, to the deficit. Uh, he's not going to bankrupt future generations. I just I don't see it. I, I they have a, a but I also want to point out something else more controversial for your audience, perhaps, Brian. You know why we have a fifty-fifty Senate. We have a 50-50 Senate because Donald Trump, my old friend, was so obsessed with uh, the election loss that he made Georgia, those two open Senate seats, and that vital election on January 5th, the day before the Capitol riot. He made that all about himself, all about his grievance. The people of Georgia did not show up. The uh, Republicans did not show up to vote. As a result, you got two more Democratic senators from the state of Georgia, and the Democrats have a 50-50 tie uh, in the Senate of the United States. It never would have happened. I, I really think that Republicans have to remember uh, that uh, whatever his fate, uh, Donald Trump, whether he runs again or not, he did something that was very selfish uh, in terms of the United States Senate, and we're we're paying the consequence now, Brian. I agree with every word you said, every word good. you said, good. and I, and I do think Kelly Stauffer was not Loeffler was not a good candidate, and and, and Congressman um, Doug Collins a lot better. And he also was a reverend, so he could have went toe-to-toe on Raphael Warnock, even on the Bible. So he, and he also didn't have a domestic abuse charge against him. And now uh, we have candidates in these key spots to uh, see if the Republicans are going to be able to win that spot back. Herschel Walker's got the charisma and name, but is he going to study the issues? But I'm going to back up a second. I'm going to look in the big picture. In the long run, I believe that Joe Biden— and his four years are hurt by this, and here's why. Because he has 36% approval rating is because he has the option, and people say he has the ability to get stuff done. But he's, he was prevented from going left because he could say, I don't have the Senate. He could say that I barely have a majority in the House. I can't go for this left-wing agenda. I have to go bipartisan. But now the left-wing looks at him and goes, you got both chambers, pal, and you got 80, 80 million votes. You got the presidency. Get this done. And now he's been held hostage by that. And when he's not getting things done and can't unite the party and he sees the difference with the moderates and left wing, he no longer has the protection of saying, I don't have the majority. So he that's why he looks so inept. Not only that, when you see you don't bring up illegal immigration and the border problem with the Mexican leader, when you don't talk about China and fentanyl and the origins of the virus with the Chinese leader, that's self-inflicted wounds. But the other thing is he no longer has the political protection of I don't have the power. And that's why in the big picture, he will lose. But in the small picture, we had to eat $1.9 trillion, uh, that we didn't need. And even uh, Larry Summers, the Treasury Secretary for Barack Obama, says that hurts and caused inflation more than anything else. And now he's got to deal with the reconciliation package, which is pure social spending, which we can least afford. How do you feel about my theory? 
I, I'm I'm with you also. Surprisingly, I, I I agree with everything that you said. And let me let me take it the border. You know how I feel about the border and migrants. I'm much more uh, compassionate, I think, than than you. And not that you're not compassionate, but that uh, the hardliners who want the border to have order in the border. I want order on the border also. I want that wall finished also. I want uh, what I want is more compassion for those who are here already, and and perhaps uh, uh, you know. Uh, a, a different vision in terms of immigration, but the the point I reason I re, I, I uh, focus in on that uh, for uh, all your remarks is that he was with Lopez Obrador yesterday. That's the president of Mexico. We have a relationship with Mexico in which we have the upper hand economically. We fund all those Mexican border uh, car manufacturing plants. We, uh, you know, we, uh, with tariffs, we could really, really hurt Mexico. And that's what Trump threatened Mexico with tariffs on all imported goods from Mexico unless Mexico helped us with immigration. How could Biden, with Obrador yesterday, not say to him, Mr. President, uh, we've got another caravan heading our way. This is the 10th in the last uh, three months. I'm making up the numbers. But, uh, you know, say to the president of Mexico, sir, we do so much business. We give you such a great deal on these manufactured items. We don't want to have to raise tariffs. We need you to use the apparatus of the Mexican government to stop this uh, this lawless uh, flow of, of migrants. They come into your country. They walk 1,500 miles through Mexico to get to the southern border. Mexico has to do something about that. You can't just ignore exactly. them as if they were the wind blowing. Yeah, just be tough. Be tough for people other than Donald Trump and Republicans. Show them toughness on the world stage. You don't have to be stage. tough. Be frank about it. Yeah, direct, yeah. And by the way, it was one of those things, and I'm up against the break as usual, Ronald, the time flies with you, uh, but you know, sometimes when you get in a fight and you box and, you know, you're mad at the person, but at the end you want to hug it out. When Donald Trump was tough with these leaders, even though they were taken aback by it, I think they appreciated the fight and the directness. And that's why, in my humble view, uh, uh, Albrador of Mexico began to like him. When he says, I'm going to hit, you know, you better put Marines on your southern border or we're going to start tag tariffs. You. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. So after and while, the, and the first, irony is yeah. he, he's a socialist president, I but know. still he liked Trump. <laughs> he was the last one to acknowledge that Biden won on the world stage, I think. Um, and he was serious. I'm serious. Geraldo, thanks so much. Uh, good luck. Okay, and, uh, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. one 866 The lines are jammed. I'm happy. I'm going to be at 2.30. going to be signing Books a Million here in Pensacola. I'm on the road. Then Fairhope a little bit later on tonight. Uh, so that'll be great. And don't forget on Sunday, if you're listening to WDBO, I'm going to be on stage at the Plaza Live. VIP opportunities uh, and tickets still available as we talk about uh, the President Freedom Fighter Tour. It's going to be fun. I hope you all can be there. Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. For us, it's about not just about legislation, it's about values and the values that this le- uh, legislation represents for the people. Ugh. Speaker Pelosi punts, gets rid of this House bill, really negotiates almost nothing out of it and gives it to the Senate where a lot of these provisions will die. But it did pass the spending palooza known as the reconciliation bill, which means no Republicans even invited to vote. 
Uh, let's go to the phones. I'll try to be as quick as possible, but I have it after I talk to Congressman Brian Steele, uh, style, I should say, of Kenosha, Wisconsin, talk about the written Rittenhouse trial and everything else. Uh, I want to try to get through as many calls as possible, then I'll have you right after that. Steve, listen to the Fox News Radio app in Massachusetts. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, Brian. You know, I was just telling your, your screener, listen, you know, my wife and I are middle America, and my wife actually is an, an accountant. She's a CFE. She's back going back to school for a cybersecurity degree. I'm sick and tired of listening to the talking heads say, make a big deal about this salt tax. I, you know, in Massachusetts, I was devastated when they did away with that salt tax in the Trump tax cut. But my wife said to me, listen, we are going to make out better. Once, once the, the numbers came out on what you're going to actually get for your taxes, you are going to make out. We're going to make out better with the Trump tax cut. And, Brian, I'm not kidding you. Our state, our state return refund dropped. But my federal almost doubled. And guess what, America? For all you libs out there that don't want to admit it, my wife and I don't make $400,000. So we did a much better job. Steve, I love the real world uh, tax return. It's a real world tax return. All you want is the opportunity to be successful. You don't want any of these provisions and handouts because eventually we're all going to be paying for the handouts, the free lunch, the free community college, the free daycare, the free preschool, the free elder care. It's not free. It's costing everybody. They're just taking our money away, and Joe Biden's deciding what to do with it. I'm not really all for that. I don't know if you could tell. Congressman Brian uh, Style will be next. Now, I see you up there from WABC, WRCN, WOKV. I'll get to all of you when we come back. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I have instructed that no one from MSNBC News will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. This is a very serious matter, and I don't know what the ultimate truth of it is, but absolutely, someone who is following the jury bus, uh, that is a very, it's extremely serious matter, and uh, will be referred to the uh, proper authorities. Okay, that was the judge in the Rittenhouse case. And just in case you don't know, because this happened in the middle of the day and many of you are working going to school, this MSNBC situation, when they say a freelance producer on their own followed the bus containing the jurors, is so egregious, so terrible. What could be the purpose of that? Blowing lights along to keep up with the bus? And you say they were just following and they're doing it on their own? Finally banned from the courthouse. But in the bigger picture, what are they trying to do? Take video of these uh, jurors getting off the bus, trying to find out what they're doing after, trying to maybe follow some of them as they go home because they're not sequestered. This is insidious and it's devious. They are trying to intimidate a jury to give a verdict, which we know should be total exoneration. There's no way that this guy should be going to prison for killing those two people, three people, shooting three and killing two. When you see the video... And when we see the ones, especially the enhanced, how does Congressman Brian Style feel about that? He's on the Financial Services Committee, ranking member of the Subcommittee for Elections. Always interesting to talk to him, but especially part of his district is Kenosha, which is bracing itself uh, for unrest. Should the verdict be, I guess, unpopular to the heretics in their community? Congressman, welcome back. Uh, are you surprised we're in day four without a verdict? Well, thanks for having me on. It's hard to make predictions of the jury, but I think what we really saw play out on our TV screens once again was the absolute lack of leadership last summer 
by our Democratic governor, like Democrats across the United States, who refuse to stand with the men and women of law enforcement, who refuse to say no to criminal behavior. And when you don't provide sufficient resources, as happened last summer in Kenosha, to maintain public safety, things get out of hand. And we saw that exactly play out in the streets of Kenosha. We never should have been here in the first place if our Democratic governor didn't refuse to send the resources that were needed in the community of Kenosha. hundred percent. He was offered by the president National Guard because of the unrest. He turned it down because it was President Trump. And he put the security and the future and the business people, uh, the, the citizens of Kenosha in second place because I guess he's afraid of Demo- the Democratic Party. I mean, how this guy got elected, to me, he lacks lack. He radiates lack of leadership. But having said all that, what is this with feeling on the ground in your city? I mean, I hear this 500 National Guard. The officers all been offered overtime to, to work. But it's been brief to me, and I was talking to different police officers, if they want to wreck a city, there is really not enough law enforcement in any one city to stop it. Do you think this all could happen again? Should Rittenhouse be exonerated like he should? I've been on the phone with many local officials, local law enforcement officers, the sheriff and others. I believe they have the resources this time to maintain public safety, and I think all of our prayers are that that is going to be the case. I think the reason is there was a significant lesson learned from last summer. You correctly said. I was on the phone with the President of the United States last summer, Tuesday morning, before the incident that this jury is debating even occurred. That Tuesday morning, I was on the phone with the President of the United States, and Donald Trump offered to provide assistance to the community of Kenosha to maintain public safety. And exactly as you said, the president of the United States called our Democratic governor. And instead of our Democratic governor saying, yeah, we need all the resources we can have to maintain public safety, he went the other way. He refused to stand with the men and women of law enforcement. And that's how bad goes to worse. I think this time they've learned the lesson. They got 500 National Guard troops. You got to remember on that night when everything went down, it was only 250 So he's at least doubled that. We got far more attention on this, and I am praying, and again, speaking with local officials, they believe they have the resources that are needed, but we cannot allow what happened last summer in Kenosha to ever happen again. So I want you to talk about MSNBC having a producer, they say, freelance producer on their own, tailing the juror bus to the point where the judge has tossed them from the courtroom, NBC2. What could they have been thinking? And do you believe they're trying to intimidate the jury in some way? I I think it's really clear that from the very beginning, the mainstream media has tried to tell their own narrative as to what happened in the community of Kenosha. They're trying to tell their narrative. And when you see these individuals run off and do freelance things against the orders of the judge, and the judge is absolutely appropriate to enforce the rules of the courtroom, against the mainstream media. And when you see them do this, the reason they're doing it is they want to tell their narrative. They don't want to tell the facts. They don't want to present all the evidence to the American people. They're working to tell their narrative. And when you watch MSNBC, that's crystal clear to everybody. And so this is just endemic of the mainstream media telling a narrative rather than sharing all the facts to the American people, which your program does so well. Thank you, uh, Congressman Brian Style, our guest. He, one of his part of his district is is Kenosha, and he's worried like we all are 
uh, especially because I want justice done. I worry about the jury being intimidated. So I, Jonathan Turley's been on our show a lot. I think he's one of the premier uh, experts in almost everything legal, including the jury trial. And many people are concerned that it's taking so long it's bad for the defendant. Here's what he postulated last night. Cut 31. So I think all of these assumptions about the jury really are likely unfounded. I mean, consider the fact that, that yeah. uh, the Cosby trial went five days and then it had a hung jury. Phil Spector in his first trial went 12 days and ended up as a hung jury. The Menendez brothers, three days, ended up as a hung jury. Conversely, Paul Manafort was convicted after four days. So it's hard to say that the length of time is really that telling. A lot of things can be happening. One thing that has not clearly happened is that the defense did a good job in showing how these counts have a cascading failure, that once you decide he acted in self-defense with regard to Rosenbaum, they did a good job in saying, well, then you got to you discount this count, and they went through them. That clearly hasn't happened. They probably could have done that right off. But... Um, it can be that they reached an agreement on some counts and they have deadlocked on others. I don't expect you to expose any sources within the jury, but Congressman, I don't know how you feel about this trial. I think it's pretty clear that the prosecution was absolutely awful. Uh, and I think the defense, uh, their their witnesses ended up being the best defense witnesses, which is something you only see on a made-for-TV movie. So I'm, I'm wondering what you think this outcome is going to be and what you're hearing about the delay. You know, it's hard to predict the delay of a jury as to the outcome. I think the the previous speaker was kind of spot on on that. People love to make predictions about juries. Each jury deliberates in a different way, in a different style. Hopefully they reach that conclusion soon. And then the real key is, as they do, individuals are going to express themselves. I'm a firm supporter of the First Amendment. People have an absolute right to express themselves lawfully and legally. But what we need to do in Kenosha is draw a bright line between expressing yourself under the First Amendment and criminal behavior. We cannot allow people to express themselves when this jury verdict does come out using any sort of criminal behavior whatsoever. And bottom line is, you don't need Rittenhouse. And I don't really recommend any teenager grab a gun and run and try to protect people, even if you're, uh, obviously, even if your intentions are pure and his seem to be. It's just a bad situation, but it's just a shame that citizens had to go 17 miles by the way, where his dad lives, in order to protect a town that nobody else was protecting. And just a quick note that really relates to you can relate to, Frank Elementary School will switch to virtual uh, learning Thursday and Friday, that's today, as a precaution, because they don't want the kids in attendance, they want them in their homes because of what could be happening outside the Kenosha Courthouse that could spread throughout the the area do you find that a lot are are kids going virtual now just to make sure they're not in the eye of the storm should this be an afternoon verdict yeah i've I've been talking to a lot of folks uh in kenosha over the past handful of days and people are nervous i do believe the local officials have the resources they need but it's hard to appreciate from the outside how scared people were that lived in kenosha for three nights while their city was erupt in flames the fear that people felt when they called 911 and 911 said, we have no ability to respond to your request. Not, we'll be there in a little while. We have no ability to respond to your request. Envision the fear that people were feeling, rich, poor, black, white. That was what 911 was telling people during the, during the riots in Kenosha. The police were overwhelmed. 
people were petrified. And so to realize that as once again, the nation's eyes turn to Kenosha and a handful of hooligans are out in the streets be waiting for this jury verdict, it's reasonable for people to be, to be concerned, to be scared. The local officials continue to tell me that they believe they truly have the resources to be able to, to deal with any situation that arises. I'm prayerful that that is the case, but it is understanding that people are scared, and they're scared because, as you noted, this never should have happened in the first place. If the governor, if our Democratic governor sent the resources that were needed, we never would have been here in the first place, and ultimately he needs to be held accountable for his absolute abject failure of leadership during that time in the community of Kenosha. All right, we'll be taking calls just in a second. I just want this, Congressman, uh, this has just happened within the last hour uh, or two. The passage of the reconciliation bill out through the House, it's going to cost about $2 trillion, add $360 billion to the deficit. They say maybe more because they can't figure out this thing about the IRS going to be I guess, radicalized to go after everybody in this country and get unrealized tax revenue. But it's going to add to the deficit, cost $2 trillion, and put social programs that can't be sustained in a budget that's already $28 trillion in debt. Here's how it sounded as Nancy Pelosi made it official with only one Democratic defection and no Republican votes. On this vote, the yeas are 220, the nays are 213, the bill back better bill is passed. And they roar. You say what, Congressman Style? Uh, I, I was sitting on the floor as they cheered, and my heart sunk, and my heart sunk for the future of our country. This bill is an absolute abject disaster. It does nothing to address the challenges that we're facing, rising prices, securing the border. It does none of that. What it does is it dramatically expands the social welfare state of the United States with no work requirements. We're not even getting workers back to work in this bill. It moves us in the wrong direction, and it's going to cost way more than they're telling us. They're pretending, using kind of fuzzy math in Washington, D.C., they say, well, we'll only run a program for one year. You know it's going to last longer than that. This bill is going to cost a ton of money. Taxes are going to go up, and everybody's going to pay for it as prices continue to rise. Well, They say so they say that the Republicans won't have the courage to stop free preschool, free community college, free school lunches, free elder care. They won't be able to stop the green militia that's going to be out there. I don't know what they're going to be doing, but hawking to find out who is putting, I guess, carbon in the air. And they're going to de-emphasize, de-incentivize all these oil and gas companies. I mean, I can't this goes this is going to be thousands of pages, but they believe that. Republicans won't have the political will to end these programs when you get the majority next year? That, that is what they're banking on, and I believe that we need to do just that. We need to absolutely unwind all the damage that the Democrats have done to our economy, and we need to begin rebuilding as we were going into the pandemic under the leadership of Donald Trump, where we were seeing higher wages, we were not seeing the rising costs that we're seeing today, and we were actually securing our border. we got to get back to the basics, and I think the American people are ready for us to do just that. Yeah, it's unbelievable uh, what's going on. But I think the American public are responding, despite 95% of the media being in Biden's camp, his approval rating is 36%. What does that tell you, Congressman? The American people don't need to be told what's good and what's bad. That's what I think is happening. 
when I'm home, people are talking to me about the rising cost of gasoline to fill up their car, about how grocery shopping is more expensive, about how things aren't on the shelves as they go back and begin Christmas shopping, about how our border's not secure. And the Democratic Party is ignoring all of that. The Democratic Party is focused in on expanding the size, the scale, and the scope of the federal government. And the American people are well aware how mm-hmm. disconnected Democrats in Washington, D.C. are. He's worried about Kenosha. He's worried about the country. Congressman Brian Style, thanks so much. Thank you. You got it. one 866 I see you up there on the board. I know you have a lot to say. Also, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. News Radio AM 1620 and 92.3 at 2.30. I'll be signing books here uh, in this beautiful beach city and then going up to Fairhope, Alabama. And Sunday, uh, especially WDBO and OKV listeners, be on stage uh, talking uh, on a big event at the Plaza Live uh, in Orlando. VIP earlier. The show starts at 7. It's going to be fun. And you'll be there playing a part in it. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. First of all, congratulations, Madam Speaker. This is an historic piece of legislation. You were its leader uh, with, uh, as you say, the vision of the President of the United States. This bill will speak for itself to millions and millions and millions and millions of Americans whose lives will be made more secure, more richer in the terms of quality of life. Yeah, what else is he going to say? Stanny Hoyer, who would have been a much more reasonable speaker. By the way, he doesn't speak to the speaker. Evidently, they have a terrible relationship. So uh, that is talking about the Build Back Better plan or the reconciliation package. Everything negotiated out of the bipartisan deal was put in this. And Cassidy and company, the Republican senators, said if we pass the bipartisan bill, they won't be able to pass the other. Well, it got through the House. It's going to have a lot of turbulence in the Senate, but we'll see. Uh, Joe is listening on WRCN on Long Island. Hey, Joe. Brian, good morning. Uh, I want to say congratulations on the book. I have not read it yet, but happy Thanksgiving to you, the crew, and your family. If I don't Joe, I know you're you. an audio guy. Just just a suggestion. I know you're in the car a lot. you got a nine kids, right? Nine? Ten, actually, yeah. Ten. But I know you're in the car a lot. You might want to get the book on tape. So, oh, I would love to. Yeah, I'm it's definitely out there. You can, get it on, you can get it off the audio. You can get DVD, too. I can't wait. I would love that. I'm on the roof. That's where I'm working. But listen, I want to say quickly, and I am going to do that. I love that idea. But uh, listen, false narrative, Geraldo, and you keep saying it. Why we lost Georgia, Republicans. Trump had COVID. He was tweeting out, please give the people the $2,000. He was begging. He was sick and Walter Reed still saying, give him the $2,000. It was the worst political move by Mitch McConnell since George Bush Joe, Sr. No Joe, Joe, happened. what you're saying is a good point. I did forget that. But it didn't counter the fact that he blew up the Secretary of State and the governor and divided the Republican Party. And many people, he has much more supporters there than the governor and Secretary of State. So they stood home. They stayed home. Uh, they did. You asked Purdue that, too. Uh, Bill, WABC. Hey, Bill. Hey, Brian, I just want to comment on that. I think that you need that type of a personality who just, you know, like a bull in a china shop uh, to do what he did in such a short period of time. And there is there was parts of Trump that, uh, you know, we just got to go with. But it's, it's that type of individual 
uh, that gets things done. Maybe it will concede it, maybe it will bullhead yeah. it. Yeah, and can you imagine, Bill, what he could have got done if there was no Russia hoax? You're 100% right. Um, but we might have another shot. It might Grover Cleveland, too. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from beautiful Pensacola, Florida. We picked up steaks from New York, New York. And we're in this beautiful uh, area. I had a chance to fully explore it. Got in last night. We see the, see the sun come up, and I saw the ocean, and I thought... Man, what planet am I on? I certainly like this better than Earth. But Pensacola will be a place I'm going to be signing at 2.30, the President Freedom Fighter, and then going to Fairhope, Alabama, which is not that far away. And then on Sunday, talk about the President Freedom Fighter on stage, WDBO listeners and WOKV listeners uh, over in Jacksonville. Hopefully you're in the surrounding area, Fort Myers. You want to come down and finally have a patriotic night and have a chance to interact, and we go through... Uh, all periods of time through my books. George Washington, Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, and now the President and Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America. So I just think if we're going to talk about the news, we need some context. And now suddenly people are understanding uh, the world didn't start in 2021. My hope is for you to understand where our country is, to know where we came from. And that's my approach to uh, Sunday at the Plaza Live. And then uh, December 3rd and 4th, I'll be in Ponte Vedra on the 4th in Clearwater, Florida. Was it just about sold out? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. That's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. One step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system, mm-hmm. and I'm terrified of that. Right. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Once the government has that kind of power and control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want. And we're seeing that, and who's going to, who's going to retract it? You might be for the vaccine, but you want to deal with this on everything the rest of your life in your country? Mandate mania. Get ready. Me Now the booster. Get a booster, you're not vaccinated. That's coming. No admission. And now it's predicted they're coming for the kids. No shot, no school, and already no Disney cruise. They made that policy known for five and up. The result? Anger. Even if you're pro-vax, you're not pro-vax mandate. Just ask the people of Florida. They have a governor who's watching their back and trusts them with their own health. Number two. She is the first at many things, including having the lowest approval rating of any vice president at this point in time. The real question is who Plug is, your ears, is, is, Joe, <laughs> is Joe Biden pushing Kamala Harris's favorability down or is she pulling him down? Well, I think they're both pulling each other down. That's the one way they're working together. The president stuck on spectacular, spectacularly bad. The numbers that have to alarm the Democratic Party leaders and the only approval thing falling faster is his vice president. Number one. It's no secret that this bill is too extreme, too costly, and too liberal for the United States. Just a few weeks ago, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger said, nobody elected Joe Biden to be FDR. (laughs) That is AOC. Yeah, she's there. And it's here. Time for the House to pass the president's green agenda his social spending agenda, and they just have done it with only one defection and no Republicans. And that was just Kevin McCarthy, who spoke for eight hours to show some resistance and stop a vote for at least a day, but it happened Friday morning. 
Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. It's my pleasure to bring in someone who knows Florida quite well, where I'm at now. Uh, Shannon Bream. Shannon, welcome back. I am so jealous. You're going to be all over my stomping grounds with my people down there. So where did you grow up? I grew up down in South Florida in Hollywood where you guys just did the Patriot Awards. And then we moved to Tallahassee when I was in high school. And so most of my family is now up in the panhandle. We love 30A. We love Jacksonville. We love all of that. Ponte Vedra, I've got two brothers over there. So, you know, you're just like you could be one of my brothers. Wow, I, I do. Actually, I'm honored if you would welcome me into the Bream family. That would sure. certainly be. Yeah, that would be great. Why not? All right, just let me see. If we, let's do a grab back so we don't have to get every gift for everybody okay. from my new family. But Shannon, yes, exactly, uh, because trust me, you're, you're marrying into a lot. Or right. Yeah, and <laughs> you're, you're a being handful, adopted Shannon. into um, um, a lot. But I feel like you bring a lot to the table, and so I think you'd be good during the holidays. Interesting. You've got books. You have things to talk about. So I right. think you're, you're going to be great. I do have plenty of topics. That's why I got this show. I hope people will like it. What kind of turnout will I expect in Pensacola at Books A Million? Oh, I think you're going to have a gigantic turnout. People are going to love it. Um, your books are amazing and so interesting and fun, and they love you. So, you know, it's going to be basically like, um, you know, a Sean Cassidy 1975 situation. Right. What about what, – what it? who's the one from the Partridge family? Isn't it Keith? No, Keith is the show. I don't know, but I was more into Sean. There's David. David Cassidy. David Cassidy, right. So yeah. any of those guys circa 1975, that's the screaming, the throwing of items at you. It's right. going to happen today. But my problem is I did peak in 1975. I was 11. <laughs> and at that point, old. I was, in my own mind, a sex symbol. Uh, but no well, one knew I, mean, I feel like it's been uphill since there, no? <laughs> you mean downhill? <laughs> no, uh, uphill. So, so let's, we're trying to soften the pain by talking with small talk. Because something big happened today in the House. A $2 trillion package passed through the House. Here's how it sounded. On this vote, the yeas are 220, the nays are 213. The Build Back Better bill is passed. And it's not a surprise, one defection. What is a surprise, they jammed everything in there. They didn't negotiate anything out. So it's going to go to the Senate and they'll tear it up. But do you think that I, – I think it's going to be a while until we get a passage. Mm-hmm. People should not be celebrating too much. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's true. And, of course, I defer to our expert on all these things, our amazing Capitol Hill um, yeah. correspondent and producer, Chad Pergram. And he was on late into the night with us last night as this was going on. And he said he thinks January, probably before the dust settles, if it does on this. Um, but, yeah, the Senate's going to have a much different take on this spending package uh, than the House did. So um, he says, listen, there's going to be a lot of back and forth, and it's going to take some time. So, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who think the bigger the package this is, the worse the midterms are going to be for the Democrats. So um, there's still a lot of uh, negotiating to be done. Uh, there's no question. So they did a poll. Uh, do you think this package is going to help you? 27% of the country says it'll help. 31% say it won't. Uh, for the most part, the president on the Quinnipiac poll, Shannon, you know this stuff. You work election night. They're usually favorable to Democrats. 36% approval rating. Kamala Harris, 27%. Uh, Fox poll is much more generous. I think he's at 43%. But no one's, in my view, no one's forgiven him from Afghanistan, and they shouldn't, as our people mm-hmm. cry for help, and they're ignored, ignored by our State Department, uh, ignored by everyone except for retired vets who put their own programs together to try to get these people out of that terrible regime. But for the most part, uh, this is not the answer the American people are looking for. This is an agenda item. What's the number one issue? Inflation. What's the number two issue? Gas prices. What is he doing? 
nothing. And when it comes to addressing our enemies, doesn't bring up with Mexico the border issue, doesn't bring up with China the origin of the virus, or doesn't make it clear that we will defend Taiwan. So what exactly is he doing? Yeah, I mean, our polling numbers yesterday, and and it just follows a trend of polling numbers um, from all kinds of outfits, including ABC and Washington Post and, you know, uh, and now Fox. Uh, They're terrible for this administration in a very short amount of time. I mean, the honeymoon did not last long for this administration. I do think what happened in Afghanistan, losing 13 amazing people um, who never should have been put in that position to lose their lives, that infuriated a lot of people across party lines. And so when the rest of it starts adding up, and you talk about – it constantly shows up, the economy, inflation, all of those things. In our polling yesterday, we asked people, were they personally affected? Is something causing hardship for your family? 73% said yes to grocery prices. 72% said gas prices. So people are personally feeling the pain. And as you said, when we poll about these new packages, these multi-trillion dollar deals, are they going to help your family? Most people don't think it's going to help them for the better, or it's going to be neutral at best. So there's a lot of pushback um, on how people think things are going. The economy, they don't think is going good. All of the major issues that we test on, coronavirus, climate change, uniting the country, the economy, immigration, China, Afghanistan, everything, the president is now upside down, meaning his disapproval outweighs his approval on all of these, and some by huge margins. You know, immigration, he's upside down by 28 points now. I mean, the border is a disaster. That's something also that the vice president is supposed to be overseeing and improving. I think that's another reason that her um, ratings have dropped so low as well, because people in their minds think, well, that's kind of her main assignment. It was We know the vice president's doing immigration, and then they see the border – when we're basically, and I will give a few other outlets, um, you know, some credit for being there, but basically we're the primary TV network that's doing anything down there. And it's clear, Democrats and Republicans alike down there say it is a disaster and it's only getting worse every day. How do you not bring that up to Mexico, Shannon? I'm serious. I, don't I know, know you want to be fair and balanced, but how do you not bring that up and say this is a disaster? You know what the Mexican leader said? You know, you should loosen up your visa problem. You've got a work shortage. We could do that. Well, okay, fine. Until we shut the border down, until we control it, until you get your, your southern border handled, we're not talking about anything. And, and the thing is, he respected Trump when Trump talked tough. Why would he, why would he not even see it to his political advantage to say, you've got to control the border. Your cartels are killing people and dumping bodies on our side. Mm-hmm. You're even invading the Americans going to resorts in Mexico. Now can feel threatened. If you seen, read some of these stories, they are being overrun by organized crime. We might be able to help them with that. Obviously, we've done it in the past under the wire. There's so much leverage. There's so many leverage points we have, and he doesn't choose to use them. And why President Trudeau doesn't lean on our president to not stop the Level Five pipeline and make sure they reinvigorate the XL pipeline? I don't get either. People are celebrating that we're having these meetings with our with our neighbors, but what's the point of having meetings if you don't address any issues? Yeah, and and like you said, the the conversation last night with or in the last week with President Xi, and the readout from the White House, it, it says that there was no discussion of the origins of COVID. Um, I think for most Americans who have suffered enormously over the last almost two years now. Uh, they'd like some more information about that. Um, China's had plenty of time to hide and destroy anything that they thought was negative uh, with regard to evidence in that particular situation. But it's infuriating to think that the, that um, our president would not bring that up. That wouldn't be number one on the list. Right. Um, our Peter Ducey was pressing Jen Psaki on that at the White House, and she wouldn't flat out say 
exactly what they did or didn't say, but Peter said, you know, numerous times, like, why wouldn't you bring that up? Why wasn't that a number part of discussion that you have to let our people in and we have to know exactly what happened? And I think Saki's answer was something to the effect, they know that's what we want. Okay, but when you have a call that is rare between <laughs> these two presidents, how is that not the number one thing? How is it not just on the list? So how know. about this? I'm going to give you an analogy. Do you remember when you were dating? Hmm. I didn't, yeah, it was an arranged marriage with my husband, and there was oh, no... Oh, okay, so let's else. say in theory you're dating. Imagine. And you say, well, why didn't you ever go out with me? Why didn't you ever ask me out? He goes, well, you knew I wanted to go out with you. How many relationships <laughs> really take root because people assume something like that? Oh, you knew I wanted to go anywhere. out with you. And you said no, because you never asked me. So mm-hmm. did you exactly. like my analogy? Do you want to use that tonight? I feel like there might have been one guy in college that that sort of happened with, but obviously we were meant to marry other people, so I'm going to let it go. All right, and that person's name is? <laughs> Not to be divulged. Okay, On good. The air. All right, so um, can I bring you to the, the Rittenhouse story? Yeah. And the conventional wisdom is for people who don't go to law school like you is that the longer the jury is out, the worse it looks for the defendant. Mm-hmm. Your thought? Yeah, I mean, that's always my gut on these jury trial cases, too, because if it's clear-cut, as the defense says, it is with um, self-defense. If, the jury, if you've convinced the jury within a couple of days, you think it, you could come to um, a decision about that. I do think, and um, many people have spoken about this, Professor Turley, Jonathan Turley, Andy McCartney had a great piece yesterday talking about the incredible pressures on these jurors. And the fact that from inside where they're, where they're deliberating, they can probably hear the screaming and the threats and the megaphones and everything else outside. Um, these people are worried. There have been all kinds of discussions about people in the courtroom trying to memorize their faces, trying to take pictures of them, follow the jury bus. Um, I think that's what's delaying this. And listen, they don't have a lot of options for the different charges that they're going through. It's kind of all or nothing. And I think you could end up with a hung jury. And, you know, McCartney basically said in his piece yesterday, if you do, it's you got to blame the outside threats and the fact that there weren't better decisions made with respect to maybe potentially sequestering these jurors, um, controlling the situation outside the courthouse a little bit better. Um, these people are clearly spooked. So I want you to hear what John Yu said about what MSNBC did, and that is banned from the courtroom because they followed, they had a so-called freelance producer follow the jury bus and blow lights in doing so, and many people see the ramifications there. John Yu, uh, last night on your show, Cut 26. And now you're seeing people trying to pressure the jury, because I think they see how weak the prosecution's case is. So you have people like the media trying to snoop in on who's on the jury and where they're going home, which is an outrageous violation mm-hmm. of court rules. And you are starting to see these demonstrations and threats that there's going to be violence in the city should Rittenhouse be acquitted or should there be a hung jury. This is just a demonstration, again, why this case should never have been brought. So obviously you heard this, you lived it, you asked the question. Your thoughts on this MSNBC thing and... In, in And I think it's a big deal to you. I think it's a huge deal. If there was truly any kind of directive to a freelance or employee 
uh, to in any way. And listen, MSNBC is denying it. They said he was never going to take photographs. He was not tracking people. Um, that that was he was not going to approach them. Yeah, right. Whatever they say, he wasn't trying to make any ID on them. But if it turns out that any producer or employee or freelancer was directed in some way to collect personal information on the jury. It's reprehensible. In a lot of places, it's potentially criminal. I mean, you can talk about jury intimidation tactics and that kind of thing. Um, this thing is so volatile as it is. It is hard for me to imagine that anybody in a supervisory or managerial position would tell this employee or freelancer to do this. Um, I guess if it turns out to be true, you know, we shouldn't <laughs> be surprised. Um, media can be very aggressive, but it's reprehensible. When you're talking about we've asked these jurors to do something that is incredibly difficult, it asks a lot of them and their families. So for anybody to say, oh, this is standard practice, we just try to get information so we can contact them later after the trial, disgusting. Hear you, and you rarely say stuff like that. You're always so calm. That's as angry as you'll hear Shannon uh, speak. It. Shannon, we're going to watch you tonight at 12, and then there's mm-hmm. a dance party at 1. It is. It starts at 12.59, so be there, be square. Go get them. Sh- fun in Florida, by the way. Hug all my people and tell them I said hi. I will. Shannon Bream says hi, people. See everyone in Pensacola at 2.30. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Vice President Harris's poll numbers uh, taken a, a nose that have nothing to do with race or sex. It has everything to do with reality. Everything that she's been charged with doing to lead, she has not done. She's failed in her ability to actually get things done, especially when it comes to the border. And the American people see that. They see that she's not leading. And the polls reflect it. So that's, think- that's an indictment on her leadership, not on her race. Of course it is. And that goes to that saying, people want to bring up race. No one even remembers race. Do you, when you were criticizing Condoleezza Rice as Secretary of State, were you thinking, don't criticize her because she's black or, criti- or give her an easy time because she's black? When you saw Colin Powell, Secretary of State, batting with Donald Rumsfeld, did you think Rumsfeld was battling with them because he was black? Do you think that people look at Kamala Harris's ineffectiveness in everything she tried and thinks, let's, not give, let's, let's make it easy for her because she's black? I mean, it is just the forced polarization of the country, bringing race where race doesn't belong. We flatten the playing field. We just judging people by their performance. That's it. Performance. She earned the 27% approval. In fact, don't be surprised if Joe Biden runs again, if he picks somebody else. Not because she's black. It's because she's not good. Does not study. Does not put the time in. Can't run her staff. They are quitting and trying to kill each other, like her campaign staff, not because she's black. Sandra Smith is next. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade tells you how far left, exactly as you were saying, that the Democrats have gone. That they, they, They've gone racing off and left Bill Maher there as the sensible one. But what's interesting to me is the fact that he's speaking out against it. I, I suspect most of them know how lunatic the whole agenda is, but they haven't got the courage to say so. And yep. they're all kind of enthralled to the squad. And basically, you've got only Bill Maher, and the other day you had James Carville. No one else is calling it out. 
That is uh, Steve Hilton does a great job over the weekend and just kind of calling out the fact that Democrats are going after Democrats. And it used to be fun to debate it when Bill Maher was throwing barbs out with humor, even if I didn't agree with him. And James Carville obviously wanted to do everything to get Barack Obama and Bill Clinton elected. But he's really concerned about the direction of his party. And in turn, I imagine the country. Things have certainly changed, Sandra Smith, as you join me, uh, getting set to host your show with John Roberts beginning at 1 o'clock Eastern. Things have changed. It used to be the Freedom Caucus is tearing up Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party. Then Donald Trump was bringing the Republican Party in a brand new direction. You tell me, Sandra, do you ever remember a time when Democrats seemed to be so concerned about other Democrats? Um, As far as what all went down this morning, um, I would say no. Um, As the economists that have looked at this, Brian, um, and there are many, the White House likes to say that there is not a single economist who says that this will add to the deficit and that this will cost the American people anything. I mean, you've got Obama era economists. Larry Summers, probably most notably, has spoken up about the long-term effects of this bill, and he has talked about the inflation that will result. He says it is going to get a lot worse before it ever starts to get better, Um, and that's not the only one. There are a lot of economists that come from Democratic uh, White House administrations who have looked at this and warned, not just warned about the consequences for the American people, but warned politically uh, Democrats about the upcoming midterm elections because if we're paying more for everything now if you implement this massive spending you're talking about paying a whole lot more down the road i just got off the air with mr hemmer and i were hosting uh, america's newsroom this morning brian and we interviewed a dairy farmer uh, about the the cost that she has incurred for various reasons, many of which include the supply chain crisis, uh, but also the government spending, the high, uh, the, the added regulations under this administration, the red tape, all of it is costing her and her family more to operate their family farm. She calculated her her um, profits at the end of this past week, and after everything, she had three dollars to account for. And profits. And this is a reality, too, sadly, that so many of these farms are dealing with right now. And guess what? I asked her, does that mean higher milk prices? And and those those costs will get passed down to the consumer. And she says, I hate to do that because I care about people. But if it comes to that, for us to stay in business, we will have to pass that down to the consumer. So these are real, tangible things the American people are going to experience through this. So as far as this bill is concerned, we saw it passed during our hours this morning. We'll see what it looks like when it gets packaged and sent over to the Senate. What happens from there? We don't know, but they had a victory uh, for their party in the House this morning. But they didn't take anything out. For example, they put the salt in, and you know salt has right. no, which is a state tax you can deduct, uh, and then those for the high-tax cities. So uh, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, California, off the top of my head, high-tax places that are going to revel in this because now they get more money. But we know that Joe Manchin's not for that. We know Kristen Cinema says I'm not for that. So all this stuff is going to end up back in the House in some type of conference uh, committee. But my feeling is that Joe Manchin is, I think, prepared to hold the line. I mean, he was says, "If I'm, I'm okay with 1.5 trillion, but not now." What's going to change? And without him looking 
as though he wasn't telling the truth. Yeah, it could come. It could look a whole lot different after it goes through the Senate. Um, the Wall Street Journal this morning, Phil Graham in the Wall Street Journal, formerly chair of the Senate Banking Committee, asked that very question, Brian, to your point. Uh, will Joe Manchin stand his ground on inflation? Talking about federal spending, its biggest driver, uh, he's de- demanded an, a, uh, an honest accounting. He's got that now. And so the big question is what he's going to do about it. When Manchin looks at the scoring, no gimmicks, sunset programs, phony safety, Savings. He's promised that he'll either decide to end this dangerous debate or delay it until the spring to get a clearer picture of the inflation problem. So I don't know. Uh, ball's going to be in his court very shortly. So I want you to hear when we know this, the CBO did a scoring, couldn't really understand the uh, how you could put a number on how a militarized, radicalized IRS is going to get more money from horrible tax cheats. Mm-hmm. But they say it's going to add $367 billion uh, to the deficit. So here's what Nancy Pelosi said in the past. How do you respond to Republicans today that say Democrats lied to the American public when they said this plan costs zero dollars, when the CBO says it at least adds $160 billion to the debt? Let's just not uh, present what the Republicans say as any fact that you're predicating a question on. I mean, understand what's happening around here, okay? So that was today. That was this morning. Republicans or CBO? Are the Republicans running the CBO? I'm a little curious about that. That is, and remember, the, the Democrats spent a lot of time, the White House spent a lot of time already discrediting the CBO score before it even came out. Uh, but to the Wall Street Journal's point this morning with Graham saying that when all the gimmicks and sunsets are taken into account, Brian, uh, the White House claim that this bill is fully paid for is the most fraudulent scoring claim ever made for a major policy proposal in the modern era. And the bipartisan bar is high. People are seeing through this. They are seeing the budget gimmicks. They see the CBO score. The American people have a lot of questions over what their future is. And the reaction is brutal. I mean, you heard Kevin McCarthy for eight hours last night saying we haven't we have before us a social spending bill, a pathway to socialism. Bill Cassidy, Brian, said this is going to further ignite inflation and torch American savings because a much bigger point to be made, right, Brian, is we're talking about implementing this massive amount of spending at a time when we're seeing an economic recovery that is quite notable. Things are recovering. Things are opening back up. Things are getting better. So why isn't the situation being reassessed and why are we just pouring all this money into an already very inflationary environment? It's going to be brutal as far as higher costs for the American family. But it's so it's so odd. It is he's not addressing any of the issues that should matter most for a president. Inflation and energy. He could have an impact on both. The supply chain, he could have an impact there. If you even watch sixty minutes, they broke down exactly the supply chain, what each was saying about the other from the barges, excuse me, from the ships, uh, to the truck drivers, to the containers, to trade, to everything. So they broke it all down. The president doesn't even break it down. So you could see the problem on 60 Minutes on that special. It doesn't even address the supply chain. Then we got this threat called China. He does not bring up – he does not make it clear to China where we stand on Taiwan, nor does he even bring up the origins of the virus. Fast forward to yesterday. He's got the Mexican president here, never brings up the problem at the border. And then when it comes to Canada, not bringing up the pipeline issue, level five, what do they expect the Canada to do on their side in order to secure that pipeline, which evidently needs to be updated? And I don't know why Trudeau is not bringing up 
getting the XL pipeline back because how much it hurt that country. He's not addressing the issues that a president should. It's bizarre. The only people he's tough with are Donald Trump supporters and Republicans. Forgive me if you threw this into that laundry list, but did you mention China and COVID origins and the lack of mention yeah. on that virtual summit uh, with Xi? I mean, what what concrete why anything? Yeah. What, yeah, why have it? What concrete anything did the president walk away from that summit with? What was the point? It was multiple hours. It was three plus hours long. So when he has his 36% approval rating, I guess ours is higher with the Fox News poll. Right. And Kamala Harris is even less than that. You know, back to the Smith Barney ad, you know, mm-hmm. he's earned it. It's it's earned it. It's not bad policy. Sometimes it's the refusal to address it. I've never seen a refusal to address it. I've seen wrongheadedness. I've seen plans that didn't work. Yeah. But now with the Iranian deal, more reason to get uh, indigestion. We're going to put together a short-term deal with Iran? Right. For what? Well, Why and- are we doing that while alienating every other Arab nation? We're stopping it. With Saudi Arabia, with all its... Uh, with all its flaws, is the counter to Iran. We are now not going to approve a defense spending bill for the, a defense sale to the Saudis. Do they understand it's not in our interest to, to, to stop that bill? And some Republicans are stopping it, too. Yeah. Where is the president on this? Amen. And that is why he is con- his, the, his polling on the issues continues to sink. And you just mentioned his overall approval rating sinking to as low as the, of his presidency, as well as Kamala Harris. But in that latest Fox News polling, Brian, I'm sure you saw it uh, for the Biden administration on the issues specifically. Are they focused on the right things? Just 40% said yes. On the wrong things, 54%. And the bench is not deep when it comes to Kamala Harris, who at this moment is in power because the president is uh, has received anesthesia. He's doing this colonoscopy, and he's at Walter Reed. That happens a short time. We'll get an update on that shortly, I'm sure. Just a routine physical he went in for, the White House says. Um, but as far as Kamala Harris's approval ratings, because remember, she's been in, uh, put in charge by the president of a lot of this, including the border, her approval uh, rating has gone down to a 40 percent disapproval, 53 percent in the latest Fox News poll. Brian, that's her approval rating is down five percent just month over month, down 10 percent since June. So, I mean, people I think you could make the point are catching on a lot faster than perhaps anybody predicted about just how bad some of this is getting. So I want to bring you to the coronavirus, and I'm wearing you out, Sandra. I, I, I watched you with Bill Hemmer this morning for two hours. Now you got wow. another two hours. But here is Joe Rogan on something that always concerned me. The minute they said we have a child vaccine, you knew mandates were next. And now the minute we hear about a booster, now we're, the next thing to come up to us, it's going to be uh, on our desk shortly, is going to be if you didn't get the booster, you're not vaccinated. The Joe Rogan was talking about this yesterday uh, on his podcast, Cut 23. That's what terrifies me is that we have to become like China in order to deal with what they're doing. Um, I, I, I just I feel like one step moving in that general direction is a social credit score system. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrified of that. Right. And I think that that is where vaccine passports lead to. Mm-hmm. I really do. Once the government has that kind of power and control, they're going to be able to exercise it whenever they want with all sorts of reasons to to institute it. He's a man of the people guy, and his, his podcast reflects that, and it's the most downloaded for a reason. That's that's exactly what a lot of people are telling me on this show and others. You know, can I just say one thing that is a little bit off topic from where you were, but one thing that stood out to me as far as, you know, the rules 
for thee, not for me, that we continue to get from the administration, from Democrats. You know, standing on the House floor for debate last night and um, this morning when we saw Nancy Pelosi speak, you know, they wear their masks when they're seated in the chamber. But then when Nancy Pelosi wants to stand up and address the members, she takes her mask off. And, you know, it makes me think, Brian— All these little kids all over the country where there's already been lost learning as a result of the pandemic, they're all wearing masks. And when they stand up to give a presentation in front of the class, they're they're still not allowed to take off their masks. The teachers who are teaching them and trying to convey very serious lesson plans are still not allowed to take off their masks. I mean, try it yourself. I mean, I, I, I went in the classroom to read books to the kids the other day, and it is really hard to understand them, for them to understand you. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Nancy Pelosi, when she wants to get her message across, she takes it off. But it goes to the broader point about where all this is going with mandates next and what's going to be considered fully vaccinated. I think everybody sees it going in that direction. Dr. Fauci grabbed the headlines suggesting that might be what happens next to be fully vaccinated. Are you now going to have to have the third shot, the booster for Pfizer and Moderna? It seems like it's going that way, Brian, and you have to ask yourself, how far all this goes, because gosh forbid, we've all been through a lot, right? We don't know the durability of the vaccine. That's a great point, by the way, with the mask. I always watch that. I'm watching Stanley Hoyer wait for for the speaker to finish. He sits there with a mask on. Then he gets behind the podium as if there's that becomes the impervious shield. Yeah. Uh, that no, they will, will not be able to penetrate. Yeah. Hey, we all know, too, that guess who doesn't need where there is no coronavirus vaccine mandate with this with the congressmen and women and their staffs. Mm-hmm. So why is that? How does that make any sense? That question is as good as any. I don't know. I just don't know. And and as far as the science is confer- concerned, right? I was just talking to Stuart Varney about this. As far as the science is concerned, when we, we do talk about the possibility of now needing that third jab to be considered fully vaccinated, what about breakthrough cases? I mean, how many people do you know that had breakthrough cases, and you've heard Dr. Nicole Sapphire bring this up as well as Dr. Siegel, breakthrough cases even after you had the full vaccination, two shots of Moderna and Pfizer, and you had the breakthrough case. Well, what? Where's this? What is? Who's putting the science out there for people to guide themselves, for doctors to guide their patients, on yep. whether or not you've now built up such natural immunity as a result of the case, the breakthrough case that perhaps you don't need the jab now. But maybe it's better for your health to wait for that down the road. Um, but I just don't know why the science is always just one direction. Why can't the FDA and the president's COVID advisory board lay out all of the science so that people can make the best decision for themselves? Yeah. Like Florida, I'm sitting here in Pensacola, Florida. I watched the governor at the uh, Patriot Awards in Hollywood, Florida. He's not saying the virus is done. He's saying, I trust you with the, what you know, to make your own decisions as a state and that's what I think people voted on two Tuesdays ago, and that's what they'll be voting on in, in a year. Even though the mandates are popular by, by about 1% for now in margin with the American people, they are remarkably unpopular with those that don't want them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that, it doesn't and they, mean, they aren't all of an anti-vaccine crowd, by the way. Yeah. The ones so who are against the mandates. Exactly. Sandra, thanks so much. I look forward to watching from one to three with that, the great John Roberts. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, back at you and have a great weekend. one 408 7669 I'm getting set to wrap up this hour in Pensacola, Florida. Where to see me in a matter of moments. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> 
He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Madam Speaker, you promised the American public this would be paid for. And it's not. I didn't believe you when you said it. Build Back Better is fully paid for. It reduces the deficit and grows the economy. Unlike the Republican tax scam, which was passed in the dark of night. How can you look at your constituents in the eye? With one party rule, in one year, you created inflation we haven't seen in 31 years. All of it's true, except for when Nancy Pelosi uh, moved her mouth. Uh, there's no way it's paid for. There's no way it reduces deficits. The CBO just said it. And in terms of growing the economy, nobody thinks the Trump tax plan was not growing the economy before the pandemic hit. And this administration is now looking to spend, if this goes through, $8.6 trillion. Uh, and that's what's been through the pandemic. We do not have a depression. We're coming out of this. We don't need this restructuring. This is a left-wing agenda that's got to be stopped in the Senate. Listen, I hope to see everyone in Pensacola, the Books a Million at 6235 North Davis Highway in Pensacola. That'll be at uh, 230 today. Uh, I have news for you. I'm in Fairhope, Alabama later on tonight at the Page and Pallet. There's already 500 reservations. Pensacola, don't lose to Fairhope. And then don't forget the villages on Saturday, Barnes & Noble, at Lake Sumter Market Square. You know that bookstore. That'll be on the 20th. And then Sunday, still some tickets left at the Plaza Live. WDBO listeners, I'm talking to you. November 21st, Sunday, uh, VIP before, but the show actually starts at 7. It will be fun. People just love it. Talk about history, patriotism, uh, kind of the way the show should be. Thanks for listening to Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks to everyone here at News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620 in beautiful Pensacola. Great station, great people. And I will talk to all of you soon. Keep it here. The Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.